All right, good morning. Open up your Bibles, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. Um, kicking off our, our Advent series this morning, Light of the World. Um, Want to just kind of jump in and, and ask you a question. And y'all got to do way better than the first service did. I don't know if I caught them by surprise. They weren't expecting the talk or, or what. But I want to ask you a question. And, and I like throw out your answer as loud as you can so people can hear. All right? I get excited about when uh, Christmas is coming around. There's all kinds of traditions um, that I enjoy in our house. Uh, and I'll tell you about those in a second. But I want to hear, what do you look forward to around the Christmas season? Like, what, what do you get excited about? Eating. Eating? Somebody say ham. <laughs> okay. All right. I like it. I like to eat, too. Old Christmas, Old Christmas songs. What's your favorite, Tim? Bing Crosby. Bing Okay. Let's, well, let's go, man. Let's go. Uh, what else? What, what else you guys get excited about? Lights. Okay. Christmas movies, what, family, oh, I love it, um, what's your favorite Christmas movie? It's a Wonderful Life, Scrooge, It's a Wonderful Life, how many It's a Wonderful Life is your favorite movie, right, okay, we, we got a couple, did you say Elf, Elf, Christmas Story, yeah, the Christmas Story, you shoot your eye out, come on, with me, okay, so I get, I get excited about the lights too, but y'all got to help me settle something in my house, okay, in our house, every year we debate, is there going to be white lights or are there going to be colored lights? Both? Okay, mate, you bunch of fence riders, you can't ride the middle on this. This is an either or. All right, so how many white light people do we have? Okay, like everything probably in your life is nice and neat and ordered, isn't it? You're like, oh, I just like it. How, how, how about the colored light, folks? Yeah, okay. Let, I, see, I don't know what it is, but like the color lights, man, I think the white lights are nice and neat and whatnot, but the color lights, man, the more tacky, the better in my life. Like throw everything out in the yard and set that thing on like a, a blaze with lights. I just, just absolutely love it. But I, but I love the traditions that come around with Christmas time too, right? Um, there, there's, there's so many things um, that we do in our house that we've done for years and years and years. There's actually one that we started uh, just new this year. Um, we've got a little Mary and Joseph who are, in, who are in our kitchen right now. Like they're traveling towards uh, Bethlehem uh, throughout our kitchen. So last, a few days ago, they were sitting by the salt shakers. Uh, the, uh, two days ago, they were by the, uh, the stove, and now they've made their way over to the sink. So they are on their way to Bethlehem just to kind of get us into that mindset of there's something that we're anticipating. There's something that we're getting excited about that we're not just waiting as people who don't have hope, but we're waiting as people who are saying, that's what Advent's about, right? Like Advent, if you break it down, it's the idea of arrival or coming, um, that, that people were excited about the first Advent of Christ, um, that he was going to come one day. But as people who have already, um, who believe that Jesus is who he said he was and who the scriptures say he is, that we know that he's already come and there's going to be a day that he comes back. And when he comes back, like it's going to be glorious, right? There's, like everything is going to change. Every, every tear is going to be wiped away. Everything that's wrong is going to be undone. Like the, and, and so as people who are New Testament Christians on this side of the cross, like our advent is we're looking forward to the day that he comes back. But when we start celebrating Christmas, we're looking at the first advent, but we're also looking at how that impacts our life today and where it's going to end uh, for the future for us. So we're kind of in this, this, this right now and, and the future time as well when we celebrate Advent. But one of the things I love deeply about Christmas time is that we get to celebrate the hope that comes with the light of the world, right? 
Um, there is hope. Christmas time, like whatever has happened throughout the year, I don't, nothing could, nothing may even change. But once like we turn the calendar year from November to December, it just feels like somehow there's this, this hope that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, and, and hope's an interesting thing. Right, because like so many situations in our life, where we've we've been we've kind of are dealing with this like you either have hope or you don't have hope. Um, whether uh, we're kind we're kind of faced with with this, um, uh, I'm blanking on the word, uh, a gauge. Like we're the gauge of the situation that we're in. Is there hope left in this? Is there not hope left in this situation? Some of y'all work in production of different types of things. And so you're faced daily with the idea of, do we let this product or this idea, do we let it die? Is there any future legs on this thing? Or do we just kind of can it and move on to something else? Or if you've lived through some scenarios with difficult people or difficult situations, you're constantly trying to evaluate, is this the end of the road? Is this thing uh, going to be, is this kind of as good as it's going to get? Um, do I have anything to look forward to in this? Or is there something else that's going to come down the road? If, if, is, is there something that, I, 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 that I'm not seeing quite yet that's going to percolate to the top and be like, oh, that's that aha moment. That's the thing that I've been waiting for. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Or does the gauge tell us, no, there, there's really not light at the end of the tunnel. So let's kind of move on from this thing. When we turn the pages of history and we start looking back at the Christmas story, what we find is that there are people who were desperate for the hope that we celebrate right now. There are people who were desperate for hope, people who were walking in what Scripture says is darkness. And they were asking the same question that you and I ask on somewhat a regular basis. Is this as good as it's going to get, or is there something else to come? And so when we look at Isaiah 9, what I want to do this morning is I want to look at this, this deep promise of Scripture that says, oh, there's so much more to come. Like, this isn't the end. There's so much more to come. This definitely isn't the end of the road. There is a light that shines so bright into the darkness, and we anticipate and we look forward to that. And so uh, we're going to kick off this morning in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 1. Isaiah says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulon and Ephtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Usually, like you start picking up Advent calendars, you start reading around the Christmas season, and, and Isaiah 9 kind of pops off the page. Like you, re you read about that. But we don't always know the context of what's that. So let me lay down the, the context here. Uh, in Isaiah 9, God's people, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, they're living in what scripture, again, that says is darkness. But it's not a physical darkness. Um, it's not like they walk outside and it's just always physically dark. This is a darkness of their circumstance, uh, the things that are going on in their life. It's almost like somebody has come into their house, given if they had electricity, they didn't have electricity, but it's like somebody came in there and, and turned off the lights or, or, or dampened all their lamps inside of the house, and so they can't see where they're going in any longer. It's like somebody who's reached in and just turned everything off. But it's a little bit deeper than just a, a physical light here. Somebody has reached in, and they've turned off the hope uh, for Israel. And what happens is when hope is gone, there's a deep darkness that begins to set in. It's not, it's, again, it's not just a darkness of the circumstance not always getting better, but there's a darkness that happens in the soul. There's, I don't know how I can put one foot in front of the other anymore. None of you ever experienced anything like this. Like, 
you wake up one day and nothing changes, but you wake up and you're like, what the heck happened? Like last night, I went to bed and everything was fine, but this morning, I don't have the motivation to get out of bed. I, I don't feel like I even got the emotion to care about anything else anymore. Um, I, 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 the things that I should care about, I don't. The things that should cause a stir in me, they don't. Even the things that should cause me to be anxious. I, I'm not even anxious anymore. I'm just flat. I, I don't feel anything. The hope of my soul just feels like it, it's gone. And nothing changed from yesterday to today. No, I just went to bed. Here's a reality that I'm, I'm grappling with when I look at the Old Testament, I look at the New Testament, and I just look at the case of our own scenarios in my own life. Ever since the beginning of time, we've been, at times, unintentionally, but also, if we're honest, intentionally at times, we've turned a blind eye to God, right? In all kinds of different ways. And it started with Adam, and it comes up to Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 9, but it doesn't stop with Isaiah 9. It trickles down throughout the New Testament and trickles down to where we're at now. Like we have unintentionally at times, but intentionally just said, you know what, God, I hear what you say. I, I, I believe what you say, but I'm just going to kind of turn my eye to it. I'm going to do what it is that, that I want to do instead. And Isaiah, when he's speaking in 9, he's talking to people who are discouraged. They're discouraged. They're ho- they, they feel hopeless. But it's a group of people that he's talked to over and over and over again and said, hey, I love you, I care about you, I am deeply affectionate towards you, and I've been desperately saying to you, and I think he still says this to us, he's desperately saying this to us, hey, follow me, live live for me, don't follow the culture, I know this is going to be fun and everybody's doing their thing, but the culture is going to take you into a place that you're not going to like at the end of the day, the promises that it has, it's not going to be fulfilled, like it's going to leave you empty, and so he says, don't follow the culture, come and live for me. Don't live for that. Live differently. And yet, Isaiah, the people that he's writing to right now, they kept turning a blind eye to God. And now, as a result, the Assyrian people, the enemy of Israel, they're at their doorstep, and they've reached in, and they've cut off the lights. And there's desperation in their heart. There's hopelessness. There's darkness. They feel hopeless. They feel lost. They feel abandoned. There's oppression all around them. They're living in a time of political uncertainty. They feel abandoned in this moment by God. There is famine that's happening in the land. And right in front of them, there's a foreign government that's telling them that I am going to demand your allegiance. And if you don't bow down to me, the only recourse is that your life is given up. They were in a dark and hopeless spot. And yet in the middle of all that chaos, what happens is that God speaks hope into that darkness and says, there's going to be a day when this isn't the case anymore. In Isaiah chapter 7, he he speaks this out and says, there's going to be a virgin who's going to come and she's going to have a child. She's going to give birth to a son and we're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us or God with us. When we come to the scriptures, I feel like we've got to be honest with ourselves. There are times when we read, and we read about Isaiah, we read about the people, we read about how Isaiah talked to the people and how God was trying to reach out to the people and, and, and to call them out where they were. And we read that and we think, well, there's some kind of disassociation from them to us. Like, because there's this time gap between them and us, we feel like, well, it's different now. Like, it, it was something to them, but it doesn't really mean anything to us right now. And it, it's really hard because we've, we've got this time gap. And we say, well, we've changed We've evolved. We're not the same people. God was talking to them differently than he's talking to us now. It's not the same, and so we, we've moved on from that. And, and, and so how can what he says to them have any bearing or weight in how we live out our life uh, today? What does it matter to me now? 
And so I'm going to throw a question or a few questions out to you, see if you can relate. Um, have you ever found yourselves in a place where you just feel pretty hopeless? Have you ever felt like you were in a place of uncertainty and you didn't even know where the, the next two days or what the next two days are going to look like in your life, let alone the next two weeks or the next two years? You just have no idea. I feel like probably all of us are living in some certain sort of uncertainty right now, right? What, what about, have you ever felt like you're just left out alone and you've been abandoned by God because of something that you did or something that you said or, 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 or something that was done to you and you just felt like, man, where was God when this happened? Or, or if God was there when this happened, he certainly saw what I did or was around what I did and he wants nothing left to do with me and it leaves a despair of the soul and you walk around with shame and guilt and just think, man, there is nowhere that I can go from here. I can't run to God because he saw uh, what, what happened. And so if any of that relates to you, then you're able to relate with what the northern kingdom of, uh, of Israel was going through. They felt abandoned by God. They felt anxiety in that relationship. And they had these moments of, man, I just don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. And there is darkness that's set in. And here's something I think that we've got to remember. That when all, everything feels hopeless, it doesn't really mean that things are hopeless because hope goes where God goes. If you don't, if you don't catch anything else this morning, like catch that. Hope goes where God goes. If our hope is in people, people are going to let us down. If we put people on a pedestal, they're going to let us down. And when they let us down, our hope goes. If we put our hope in things, when that thing disappears or goes away, our hope disappears and goes away. And so if we put our hope in people and things, we're setting ourselves up for despair and, and, and just the darkness of our soul. Uh, but the reality is when our hope is in God, it never leaves because where God goes, there is hope. Uh, uh, hope goes where God goes. And the best news that Israel could have heard from Isaiah's lips is exactly what he told them. A light was going to shine in their darkness, that they weren't going to be left in darkness forever. And everybody who read that or who would have heard it at that time, in whatever situation that they were in, they would have said, okay, okay, like he sees me, he knows me, he cares about me. That thing I did when I wasn't thinking clearly, like he saw, but he, but he still hears me, he still cares about me. That thing that I said when I shouldn't have been saying that, that, that time when I fill in the blank, he, he hasn't forgotten about me. He still sees me and he still cares. And honestly, the best news that we could here this morning. And the reason I think that we celebrate Advent and, and Christmas time is the same thing that they heard at that moment. God hasn't forgotten about us. That thing that we did, that thing, that place that we went, that whatever, you fill in the blank or that moment where we said, you know what? I just don't even know if I believe this stuff anymore. I don't even know if I can trust God anymore. I'm, I'm on the verge of agnosticism or atheism. And, and, and you get honest with God and say, man, I don't even know what was going on then. He hasn't forgotten you. He cares uh, uh, about you. And there's still hope. Light has shined into the darkness. And what he's saying is God is here. God is with us. Let's keep looking at uh, this in Isaiah. Isaiah, if you're into literature, Isaiah is uh, it's prophecy literature. And what prophecy literature is, it's, it's telling about what's coming, down, what's coming down the road, something that you can look forward to. And specifically, when we're talking about prophecy literature in the Old Testament, it's how God was dealing with his people then. And with prophecy, there's a near fulfillment and there's a far fulfillment. And so 
the people of Israel during the time when Isaiah is speaking this out, they, they would have had a little bit of hope beginning to rise in them, but there was an expectation that that was going to be fulfilled like right now or in the very near future, near, the very near future that this was imminent. And it was. There was, a, there was a king who was going to come physically who was going to give them a little bit of relief in the moment. But that's the near fulfillment. There's a far fulfillment that was pointing to the day that Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, was going to come, and he was going to make all things new. We're going to read that he's, he was a wonderful counselor. He was the Prince of Peace. This is what there is ultimately looking forward to. So when you finish up with verse 2, Isaiah, he's shifting away from the near fulfillment, and he's moving on to the far fulfillment to look forward now to the time of Christ. And so we've transitioned in, in focus of mind about 2,000 years here. And, and so we're stepping away from the near fulfillment and we're focusing in on Jesus in verse 3. You guys with me? Okay. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. How about that for a Christmas message, huh? Isaiah, he's shifting away from the near, and he's moving away to Jesus. And as he begins to speak about this, there is a, a new hope and a relief that begins to rise as people would hear this or, or read this. But I want you to notice what the hope is based on here. The hope isn't based on um, just them getting out of their scenario. I, I know just in reality, in life sometimes, that when we find ourselves in a precarious situation, uh, hope begins to rise when we, when we see the end of that. Like, oh, I, I'm going to get out of that trouble. Or I'm going to get out of that scenario. I know when I was growing up, like when, when I felt like my mom and dad had forgotten that, that I was grounded or forgotten that they told me I was going to get a spank. I was just kind of living, like walking through. I'm like, oh, they forgot. Hope would begin to rise. But then be like, hey, I need to see you up in your room. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, like that reality would begin to, to kick back in. And, and so there's a hope that begins to rise, but it's not based on their circumstance. The hope and, and that, that is coming is it's based in uh, the Savior who's to come. And this is a good thing, right? When it, it's good when our circumstances change. It, it's good that like, our, our joy can begin to rise. Um, there can be a, a little bit of hope that comes out of that. You find a little bit of extra money in your bank account, and you're like, oh, dang, I didn't even know that was there. And you're like, oh, I can pay that bill. That's been nagging me for so long. Like, great. And your hope begins to rise. Or, or child support finally comes in. You've been waiting on it for months. You're like, I don't know if this dude or this guy, like, she's ever going to, like, I just don't know if this is going to come through. And then finally it does. You're like, Wow. Like, this, this feels like a, a blessing to me right now. And so the joy should increase in that moment. But that feeling goes away pretty quickly, right? That joy is quite fleeting when it's based in, in the circumstance. Because as soon as you get money, you can spend it. As soon as you find yourself out of a precarious situation, I mean, if you're prone to get into those situations, you can find yourself right back in to another situation. You got the support once, but you have no idea if it's going to come again. So our hope doesn't ride on the circumstance. But yet Israel here in this moment, I mean, they're sure, like they're hoping for a change that's going to come, right? But hope isn't just a fleeting feeling. Their hope, listen to me, their hope is in the history and the character of God. Their hope is in the history and the character of God, how he's come through for them in the past but even if he never came through, just who he is, the character of who God is, who he is in his person, 
There's hope in, in that. And so I want to make sure like, that we understand that God's character is what gives us hope. Who God is is what gives us hope. It's not our circumstance because our circumstance can change. The person can come off the pedestal. We can find ourselves in a situation. So that's not where our hope is. Look at verse 4. It says, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Now, some of you who are familiar with your Bibles, you, you, you remember um, the story of Israel and Midian. And some of you, if, if you're new to your Bibles and you're just starting to explore it, and this is a great story. Judges chapter 6, like you want to mark that thing and read, uh, start there. It goes through about the end of chapter 8. It's a fantastic story. Um, but for those who are familiar, or even if you're not familiar, I'll, I'll kind of catch you up on it. Um, sometimes in life we find ourselves in some, uh, uh, bet- ourselves between a rock and a hard place, right? And, and we ask ourselves, where's God in all of this? Like, He's real, I believe, I trust, but where is God in the middle of all this? I feel like everything in front of me right now is just destruction and darkness. I don't really see any light at the end of the tunnel. And so Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, he's a dude like that. He's a guy who's looking down and it doesn't feel like there's anything but darkness in front of them because God comes to him and says, hey, you're going to fight the Midianites. And Gideon's like, I'm going to do what? He says, yeah, you're going to fight the Midianites. He's like, we can't fight the Midianites. No, you're, you're going to go and you're going to fight the Midianites. And I, I want to put this in context for you, okay? This would be like, Sean, if I were to come to you and say, hey, Sean, we're going to go fight Omaha. You're like, okay, we're going to, because you're with me, you're be like, okay, we're going to go fight in Omaha. No, we're not going to fight in Omaha. We're going to fight all of Omaha, every one of them. And we're going to fight now. I feel pretty good about our chances to take out a couple, okay, you and me, let's, we got that. But if we're take, trying to take on everybody in Omaha, that's not going to happen. Like, like that junk is impossible. It, it's, it's not going to happen. God goes to Gideon and says, listen, you're going to fight Midian. There's 120,000 men there, but you're going to do it with 300 people. Gideon said, what? He said, you're going to fight 120,000 people with 300 people. You want to talk about hopelessness? You want to talk about despair? You want to talk about there's something that just doesn't feel like there's a chance in this? Like, this was like a death sentence for Gideon in his mind. He's like, I'm right in my will because I'm not coming back from this. And, and, and so this was dark for him. But in the middle of this, God whispers to Gideon and he says, I know it looks insurmountable. I know it doesn't look like there's a chance. But here's what I want you to know but no, that nobody else knows yet. that I, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to do this alone. I'm with you in the middle of this. And what God was saying to Gideon was, listen, where I go, hope is going to be there. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. Where God is, that's where hope is. And he says, well, I'm telling you again, the people who were walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. Just as I was with you then, I'm going to be with you now. And where I go, hope goes. And you can bank on my character. You can bank on the way that I come through for my people. And although our circumstances sometimes can feel real hard and they can feel dark at times, I think if we try, if we're just being honest, if we try, we can look back and we can see moments where God has come through. Uh, moments where we just felt like there, there wasn't a, a shot, a particularly rough patch of life or a, a tough season in our life. We can look back and say, man, it was hard, but God was there. Maybe it was in college and just 
joyful experiences and like, man, I can't pay my, my uh, um, dorm fee. But yet, all of a sudden, like, money shows up. And you're like, God, you, you did that. And, and for, for some, man, it's, I was in a hospital or my kids were in the hospital and I didn't see that coming, but like in the darkest moment of my life, like I felt God like nobody's business. Like I felt it like, I don't know how, I don't know where that piece, like I felt him there while I felt alone when I felt like everybody had left me. I I felt God there. And you can look back on these seasons of life and, and you can say, man, it was hard or it was joyous, and I know that God was in those moments. And these aren't just moments in time where, we, where it just kind of happened and everything just kind of fell in place and everything just seemed to kind of work out. These are moments and reminders that we look back at and say, man, God was there. Hope came, up, hope came and showed up, and he sat with me in the hospital. Hope showed up, and he whispered in my ear, although you can't see the end of the tunnel right now, you can't see the light, I want you to know that there is light that is at the end of this tunnel. And it's not just because things somehow just work out if you wait long enough. It's because what God says, because I was there and I was with you in this. I was there. And where God goes, hope goes. Where God goes, that's where hope goes. Look at verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heavens, uh, of heaven's armies will make this happen. I, I want to make sure that we catch how unlikely of scenario verse 6 and verse 7 actually are. God's answer to everything that has terrorized the world. God's answer to all of the pain and heartache. It's in a child. Like it's in a little baby. The, the power uh, and superiority of the Assyrians at the time has no match for God. The power of God is greater than the superiority of the Midianites. The power of God is greater than uh, uh, world powers of history past, of world powers now, of world powers that will be in the future. His power is stronger than any of that. And the way that he decided to show off that power is through a baby. It's through a child, an unlikely answer. His answer to all the hate and all the anger and all the bitterness and all the bullying throughout history isn't to outdo it with a bigger bully. His answer is Jesus, a child in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. This is so unlikely that the hope of the world would rest on the shoulders of a child. And this is the reality that separates Christianity from any other world religion, that, the God of, that a God, full deity, would take on flesh and stoop down to the likeness of his people, to put on flesh so that he might go to a cross and die, to, to humble himself to servanthood. That separates Christianity from any other world religion. Because what other God would step down from his throne to become one of his people? What other God would step down and put himself on the line to give freedom to, to somebody else? He was both divine and he was human. Verse 6 says, For a child is born to us, this is his humanity. 
a son given to us from God. This is his deity. This is a God like no other who would wrap himself in flesh in the form of a child and step into his creation. And Isaiah 9, 6, you know what it is? It's a birth announcement. It's a birth announcement of Jesus, the king who was coming. And usually birth announcements uh, about an heir to the throne were a huge deal. Like we make a big deal about our birth announcements now as we should, right? We get excited about our kids and we videotape ourselves with you know, blowing up pink powder or blue powder and that kind of stuff. We get really excited about that. And we, we show it on YouTube and whatnot. But this is greater than anything we've ever put. Like this, this was an announcement of, of King Jesus. This is a big deal. And birth announcements were a big deal at the time because people were wondering, is this somebody that I can get excited about? Is this somebody um, that's going to, to rule differently than the person before us? Like, is it going to be another 40 years of just chaos and darkness? Or is it going to be 40 years or more or less of, of, of something that's different, something that we can look forward to? Is he going to rule like his daddy? Is it going to be different? What can we expect from him? We have a small taste of that, you know, every four years with, a, with our presidency. You know, we've got different candidates, and we're like, hey, what do they stand for? What's their character? What are they going to be like? And we look at them, and like, this is what we could presume the next four years are going to look like. So we get a little bit of peace like that. What are they going to represent? Um, what can we expect? And it's uh, common um, to give a new name to a king. Once the birth announcement is done and they begin to grow up and they're getting ready to ascend to the throne, it's, it's uh, customary to give them a, a new name because that new name now becomes their title. And that title is what they're going to be called. And that title comes from what they've demonstrated in their character, what they've demonstrated as a person, and what the govern, those who are being governed, what they can expect out of that person. So the title that Jesus gets in this birth announcement is spectacular because this is the title of his expectation. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is what you can expect out of this child to be born who is going to be born for your salvation. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus is, um, both, he owns those in, in both character but also in his actions. This is a wonderful counselor. His wisdom is beyond any human wisdom. Strength and weakness? How's that? Life through death? Victory through surrender? Those are things that don't make sense to us, but these are some of the things that Jesus said while he was walking around. His wisdom is so much greater. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God. All the power of God wrapped up in Jesus. This is who he is, fully divine, eternal father. He was, he is, he forevermore will be, prince of peace. He's the one who's going to come and make all things right. The stuff that we talked about that Isaiah was addressing here, um, how we are unintentionally and intentionally sometimes just turn a blind eye to, to the Lord. So this is going to be our Prince of Peace. He's going to undo that stuff. He's, he's going to rewrite history in this way. He's going to make all things right, and hope goes where he goes. You know, a few years ago, we were reading the Jesus Storybook Bible with our kids and this story from Isaiah, from, from Isaiah uh, just really stands out to me. And uh, kids' books sometimes can speak way much, not sometimes, probably a lot of times, can speak way better than I can and with more clarity. And so if you allow me, I want to read to you um, how the uh, storybook Bible uh, tells this story quickly. Uh, this is called Operation No More Tears. Do you know what your name means? 
Well, there was once a man called Isaiah, and his name meant God to the rescue. That might sound like a uh, that might sound like a bit of a funny name to you, but it was just the right name for Isaiah because God had a special job for Isaiah. You see, Isaiah's job was to listen to God and then tell people what he heard. Now, God let Isaiah know a secret. God was going to mend his broken world. He showed Isaiah his secret rescue plan. Operation, no more tears. I like that. This is the message God gave Isaiah. It was like a letter God wrote to his children. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You've always been running away from me, and now you're lost. You can't find your way back. But I can't stop loving you. I'll come to find you, so I'm sending you a shepherd to look after you and love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but in the darkness, but into the darkness, a bright light will shine. It will chase away the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born, a royal son. His mommy will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He's one of King David's children's children's children, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone's going to come and rescue you, but he won't be who you, or he won't be who anyone expects. He'll be a king, but he won't live in a palace. He won't have lots of money. He'll be poor. He'll be a servant, but this king will heal the world. He'll be a hero. He'll fight for his people and rescue them from their enemies, but he won't have big armies and he won't fight with swords. He'll make the blind see and he'll make the lame leap like deer. He'll make everything the way it was always meant to be, but people will hate him and they won't listen to him. He'll be like a lamb. He'll suffer and die. It's uh, the secret rescue plan we made from before the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get, to get you back, but he won't stay dead. I'll make him alive again. And one day when he comes back to rule forever, the mountains and trees will dance and sing for joy. The earth will shout out loud. His fame will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Everything sad will come untrue. Even death is going to die. And he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer will come. Look for him. Watch for him. Wait for him. He will come. I promise. Hope goes where God goes. And he sent his son Jesus. He promised he would. And so where Jesus is, that's where hope is. We find hope in Jesus. And so, I mean, where, where do you need wisdom? I mean, where, where you've been struggling trying to figure out, like, what's next? Like, where, there is wisdom that we tap into that we can't understand that it comes through Jesus. Jesus is said to be our wonderful counselor. Where are you weary? Where's your strength run out and you don't even know how to put one foot in front of the other anymore because it's all gone, you're depleted. You know, I don't even know if I can get out of bed anymore. I hope is lost. What we find out about Jesus is that he's the power and the strength of God. Where have you been let down by an earthly father? I mean, there, I mean some of us have been let down because our daddy wasn't there. Some of us have been let down because our daddy was there and, and, and he wasn't a good daddy to us. And we've marked off the very idea that God is a father to us through his son, Jesus. And so we said, we don't want anything to do with that. But I want you to know that this is God the Father who always has been, who always will be, who is right now. And he's the perfect father that we may have never had. Where do you need peace? Where are things falling apart? What scripture tells us is that this child to be born would be our peace. He would bring peace in. He's our hope. Would you pray with me?
Father, thanks for uh, the minutes we get to hang out together here. This is just a small fraction of what your word tells us. Father, there is life in your words. There is life through Jesus. Father, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters, God, that we might be able to find hope in you this season. Um, remind us of where you've come through in the past. Remind us of your character. Remind us of who you've been historically. Remind us who you are right now. Show us the way towards your hope through Jesus, I pray. Even if we have to scratch that direction, God, I pray that you would show up in a mighty way. Father, thank you that you are willing to humble yourself and to come to earth in the form of a child, a baby, to wrap yourself in flesh. And as we celebrate uh, Advent and Christmas throughout the next few weeks, God, just help us to recall what this season is. There's, there's presents and there's gifts and we celebrate because we celebrate the King. But there's so much more than just the gifts. And you, you give us the opportunity to have eternal life through your son, Jesus. And that's where real hope is. So lead us to that place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.